Welcome to Advocation Change It Up, a new podcast series hosted by Dr. Karen Liller, a professor at the USF College of Public Health and director of the Activist Lab. Hello and welcome to Advocation Change It Up, the podcast series of the University of South Florida College of Public Health Activist Lab. I'm Dr. Karen Liller, a professor at the College of Public Health and director of the Activist Lab, and I'm joined by one of our student advisory board members, Michaela McMahon. Hi, Michaela. Hi, Dr. Liller. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Pretty good. Good. The Activist Lab at the college prepares our students to be exemplary advocates and leaders in public health. And if you just Google us at our website, you'll see all the educational programs we do. We have boot camps, seminars, we do research on a variety of public health topics, and advocacy and work to assure our students have practice experiences in the community at the state and national levels. This podcast involves talking with public health leaders and advocates whose work has led to great improvements in public health. We'll be talking in each podcast with a guest on a particular public health issue, and we'll end each podcast by asking how we as the community can advocate for change. Today, I'm very excited to continue our series on occupational health and safety, featuring leaders of the Sunshine Education and Research Center here at the College of Public Health. As we all know, work and work conditions are so important for the population's health. Individuals spend so much time at work, it's critical they work in safe conditions. Today, I'll be talking with our guest, Dr. Tammy Allen, who's a distinguished university professor within the Department of Psychology at the University of South Florida. Dr. Allen's work over the past 20 years has focused on important topics that touch the lives of most adult members of our society, such as how do individuals simultaneously manage their work and family roles, and how can organizations help? What are the contributors to individual career growth and development, such as mentoring relationships? And what aspects of work impact employee and family well-being? She has over 180 peer-reviewed journal articles, books, and book chapters, and her work has been cited over 40,000 times. That's amazing. She's received multiple awards. She's been featured by a variety of media outlets, and she has shared her research and teaching as a visiting scholar and guest speaker at universities and organizations across the world. Dr. Allen is currently the co-PI on several studies funded by the National Science Foundation that examine remote work, which is so important now, boundary management, and technology. Dr. Allen has served as the president of the Society for Industrial and Organizational Psychology and as president of the Society for Occupational Health Psychology. She's an elected fellow of the American Association for the Advancement of Science, something we have in common, the Association for Psychological Science, the American Psychological Association, and the Society for Industrial and Organizational Psychology, and she currently serves on the boards of several of those organizations. She is the 2021 recipient of the Herbert Henneman Jr. Award for Career Achievement from the Human Resources Division of the Academy of Management. In 2019, she was awarded an honorary doctorate from the University of Nucatel in Switzerland. She is also the recipient of the Outstanding Graduate Faculty Mentor Award from the University of South Florida, among other honors. What a fantastic bio. How are you, Dr. Allen? I am wonderful. Um, Thanks so much for that introduction (laughs) and for having me on the podcast. Oh, absolutely. We're excited to have you. And may I call you Tammy? 
Yes, please do. Very good. So, Tammy, let's orient the listeners a little bit about your leadership at the Sunshine Education and Research Center and how your program, Occupational Health Psychology, there works and what it includes. Yes, so it's part of the ERC's overall multidisciplinary approach to occupational health. I represent the organizational health psychology domain. Occupational health psychology, or OHP, concerns the application of psychology to the improvement of quality of working life and to both the protection and promotion of the health, safety, and well-being of workers. Mm -hmm. The specific topics of interest include accident prevention and safety, human factors and work design, occupational stress, psychological and physiological strain, workplace violence and other forms of mistreatment, sleep, work-family issues, which are very important to me, and interventions designed to improve worker health and well-being. So starting in the 1990s, NIOSH recognized the need for psychological approaches to employee health and safety and began to launch initiatives to promote OHP. And our particular program is housed in the psychology department at USF and is associated with our doctoral program in industrial and organizational psychology. As a doctoral level program, our emphasis is on research training and the application of science to real-world occupational health psychology problems. Um, And our program is unique, too, in that it is Um, There's only one other ERC that supports graduate training in OHP. So the USF program here serves an important role for both the region and the nation. Mm -hmm. Um, To give you an idea of some of the great projects that our current trainees are working on, um, they are working on research that involves the postpartum return to work, Mm-hmm. how workplace rivalries relate to well-being and turnover intent in organizations, cultural values and emotions, and a very current topic, how remote work may impact mentoring relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, after graduation, our trainees have gone on to academic positions at other universities, as well as applied positions within organizations. Right. So they're doing a lot of great work and are now serving as the next generation of leaders in the OHP field. Mm-hmm. I think they will be great advocates too, right? As they learn this research and then put it into practice. Absolutely. So, for example, um, one of our graduates was just elected as the next president of the oh. Society for Occupational Health Psychology. Oh, that's fantastic. Good yes, for them. Absolutely. Yeah, good for them. So, um, Michaela, do you have a question for Dr. Allen? Yes, I do. So I did a little bit of research myself, and I saw that you had given a couple of lectures earlier this year kind of on this topic. And so I wanted to see, um, how do you think the COVID-19 pandemic will impact work-life balance, of course, from a psychological lens, like moving forward? Right. There's a very interesting connection between um, what we refer to as boundary management, Mm -hmm. work-life balance, and remote work. Mm -hmm. So... This is a topic that we've been investigating and and communicating with others. And, you know, it's that individuals who are working from home, they may potentially have more control and flexibility, for example, over the hours that they work. Mm -hmm. But it also makes it much more difficult to separate 
work and non-work. And that can also then make it more difficult to find that balance between work and family or work, non-work. So I have have a question, Tammy, about that. Um, I've read various reports about how productive people are working remotely. And some reports will say people are more productive, actually. Other reports will say, nope, no, they're not. They're not as productive as all. So what are your thoughts? Have you done any research on this particular topic related to productivity? Yes. So what the research literature overall suggests is that people tend to be more productive. Mm -hmm. Um, Job performance is uh, the same or higher. And typically what that is attributed to is that people tend to work longer hours when they work remotely. Right. Uh, It may be that they trade in the time they spend on commuting for working. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, it may also be that it is just more difficult to unplug when right. your workplace is also, also your home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm less familiar with reports that show that performance suffers when working remotely. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the data that I've seen and, and the data that I've collected myself suggests that people are as productive are even more productive when working remotely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what are some of the strategies they're using for this boundary management? Because I know that can be particularly difficult, right? When you're trying to work, but you also have family activities going on around you. How, how, what, are some of the, what are some of the strategies? Because I think our listeners would really like to know that. Yeah, so some of, in some of the data that we've collected, we've asked people about their specific strategies to segment work from non-work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people come up with some very creative ideas. Uh, so, for example, some people are using what has been referred to as the fake commute. Um, <laughs> so that, that commuting time gives right. individuals the opportunity to transition between work and non-work roles. So when working from home, that that transition doesn't occur. So people may turn off their computer Uh and then take a walk around the block, for example, and then come back into the house and say, okay, now I am home and work has stopped. Okay. Um, They can try and create physical um, boundaries Mm -hmm. between work and non-work, such as having a a spot designated in the house where work occurs and not take their work into the bedroom or the mm-hmm. kitchen table. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So those are just uh, a few examples of the ways people try to, to create that demarcation between work and non-work when working from home. Yeah. So could you tell us a little bit more about your research now, uh, Tammy, and your outreach activities? Do you have any new findings to share? Sure. Um, you know, my core research focus really over the past 25 years has been on work and family issues. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested in those challenges that individuals face when trying to manage the competing demands between work and family roles. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the over the underlying motivation is to really identify those ways by which individuals can be both satisfied and productive in their work and in their family lives. Mm -hmm. So that includes understanding what organizations can do to help. Right. And that's what originally led me to examine issues such as remote work. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for many years, remote work has been touted as a way to help individuals manage work and family, create better balance. Mm -hmm. But what we found in our research is that while remote work does have many benefits, it's not particularly beneficial way to mitigate work and family conflict. Mm -hmm. 
So more recently, I've been investigating remote work um, more broadly. Mm-hmm. And when the COVID-19 pandemic occurred and millions of workers switched to working from home, right. it was really a rare opportunity to study remote work. Mm-hmm. So my colleague, Kristen Shockley, who's a graduate of our OHP program and now a professor at the University of Georgia, secured funding from the National Science Foundation mm-hmm. to investigate this big transition to remote work. And, you know, what we really tried to do is push out our findings to the public first, even before we started working on academic publications. Mm -hmm. So as part of our advocacy efforts to really engage with organizations and and implement sound policy, we put together a summary of findings geared toward identifying recommendations for remote work arrangements. You know, we've done various podcasts with legislators, Uh we've connected with the Society for Human Resources, which, you know, has uh, members of the human resource community. Those are the, that's the audience we really want to reach with these findings. Yeah. Um, So I can give you just a few examples. Yeah, that's what, that was going to be my next question. Yeah, (laughs) you give us a few examples of the policies. Yeah, so what we found is that the Two, two of the most consistent predictors of the adjustment to remote work mm-hmm. were feelings of social isolation, which, of yes. course, is negatively associated with adjustment, uh-huh. and then the nature of one's home workspace. Hmm. So, you know, that leads to two key recommendations for organizations. What that tells us is that managers need to identify ways to keep remote workers socially connected Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when working remotely. Um, That has, you know, for a long time, that has been identified as a potential disadvantage for remote work. Right. That lack of connection Mm -hmm. with coworkers. Mm -hmm. And then the second um, was uh, having a comfortable home workstation. Mm -hmm. So we know when, when a lot of workers had to rapidly moved to remote work, they again, they're working from kitchen tables right. or sofas. So what we found in this study is that how important it is to have a comfortable and ergonomically sound workstation at home. And we found some similar findings in another study that we did um, that was supported by the ERC. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, organizations can provide support for making sure that employees have a, a proper desk chair, mm-hmm. desk, a computer monitor, and not just working from a tiny laptop. Um, so those are, those, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. those two recommendations um, could go a long way to reducing both stress and increasing productivity. Right. And I'm sure you'll be doing some further work, right, to see how effective uh, those are. Yes. Michaela, do you have any questions? Yes. Um, so kind of, kind of, you touched on this a little bit earlier. Um, how does family-friendly work policies such as maternity and paternity leave, uh, flexible hours, et cetera, affect individuals in the workplace? Yeah, so those types of, of policies, um, they, are, they are beneficial. Um, so we have to, to widen the criteria, outcome criteria that we're looking at. So, for example, we do know that remote work is beneficial, for example, for job satisfaction. Um, but even then, that relationship is 
curvilinear. So work, remote work can be with the overall balance of the research would say, and my recommendation is to have more of a hybrid type mm-hmm. of arrangement where mm-hmm. employees mm-hmm. can work several days in the office and several days from home. Yeah. Um, so there looks like there's that sweet spot um, that is beneficial for employee attitudes. Now, going back to issues such as work-family conflict, the reason why remote work is not as beneficial as, as most people think it is for work, non-work management, comes back to that issue of, of boundary management that we talked about a little earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, because it does make it difficult to detach from work when right. your work is right. also your home. Um, so the recommendation there would be to make sure that you do find ways to disconnect from work um, because that has been shown to be associated with a, a huge array of health and well-being benefits. Okay, thank you very much. And so it sounds like I know what you're advocating for, Tammy, in occupational health psychology, some of these strategies about how to make remote work more successful. But how can we as a community or a community of workers help you advocate for this change? Yeah, I think when we when we talk to organizations, policymakers, uh, legislators who are Looking at the future of work, there's a caucus now within Congress examining these types of issues. Mm-hmm. Um, what I advocate for is, and I encourage others to, is to keep both employee performance and well-being in mind. Okay. Too often organizations are primarily focused on performance, mm-hmm. right? They're, they're looking at that connection yes. between work remote work and job performance. Right, performance indicators. And neglecting yeah. mm-hmm. well-being, right, when mm-hmm. the two go hand in hand. It's true. So there are some features of work and remote work that may be good for performance, but not so good for well-being and vice versa. So I'm always trying to think of ways to maximize the features of work that are beneficial for both. Right. Yeah, because they're both so important. Right. You know, years ago, Tammy, I did some research on burnout um, among medical technologists. I started out as a medical technologist. And my thesis, in fact, my master's thesis was focused on that, on burnout. And do you think that remote work is going to lead in the future to greater job burnout or maybe less? I think that, you know, I have a, a classical psychological response to that. <laughs> that <says> it depends. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> And, you know, I think, and this is very relevant for what was going on to during the early stages of the pandemic, in some cases continues to go on, is, you know, if you have kids at mm-hmm. home mm-hmm. while you're working remotely, mm-hmm. that's, that's not a great recipe for, you know, preventing burnout. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I think that what we need to understand more of is that home contact. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, who are the other folks in the home, kids, partners, roommates? And, you know, with adult partners, you can negotiate with them to say, for example, I am doing a podcast from 10 to 11. Yes. Do not 
<laughs> walk in or yell, right. yell at you from across the house, right? Right, I know. With kids, yes. it's more challenging. Uh-huh. Um, and so I think we really need to understand the social and physical context of the home workspace mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as we continue to think about remote work and, um, you know, how to, to, again, maximize performance and minimize burnout. Mm-hmm. Do you think we're going to go back to how it was uh, pre-COVID in terms of work? Do you think eventually everyone will be back? Or do you think this has changed everything for the future? It has changed everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are some employers who want everything to go back to right. how it was before. Right. And they are receiving a lot of pushback Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. now that so many workers have had the opportunity to work from home, Mm -hmm. they don't want to go back full time. Most people, again, want that hybrid type of situation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, You know, I was talking to a CEO in the Tampa area not too long ago who was, you know, conveying this to me that his employees were really pushing back on Mm -hmm. coming back full time Mm -hmm. but that's that's what he wanted right but i think that employers are really risking losing a lot of their talent if if they force that type of situation Uh uh-huh well i do too because as you said i think there is that sweet spot between being in the office but also having the flexibility to also work outside of the office um certain days of the week um so yeah yeah, so I'd now like to ask our student, Michaela, who's just a little bit younger, at least than me, Tammy, what are the feelings of students on this topic of occupational health mm. and safety? You know, work is going to become very important to this generation, as it has all generations. Young individuals now have been the drivers of so much public health advocacy and change recently, including issues of racism and gun violence. But what about the workplace, Michaela? How can students be instrumental and critical for this advocacy? I definitely think, especially after COVID, um, we have looked to what we want in a workplace a lot more for what I'm noticing and my conversations that I have with friends and my peers Mm -hmm. and kind of things that we talked about today in regards to liking having that hybrid work environment or if not having a hybrid work environment, I see a lot of people advocating more for a four-day work week and then a three-day weekend just to allow a better balance. And I know a lot of other places I've seen that there's a lot more productivity with that in the Mm -hmm. workplace. So Mm -hmm. I think we are noticing more of what we want and associating mental health as a part of occupational health a lot more now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a lot more conversation what I'm seeing before in generations and I'm excited yeah. and I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, that is because, you know, when I started working, um, and I don't know about you, Tammy, but it was totally unheard of. I mean, well, of course I worked in a lab, you really couldn't bring that home, but <laughs> you know, even when I started, uh, teaching and started working more managerial positions, no, that was unheard of. You had to be in the office. In fact, if you weren't in the office 12 to 15 hours a day, they were asking what's wrong with you. You know, why aren't you here more? And uh, yeah. so, um, so, so I, think it, I, I think you're right. I think it's very important. So, so, Tammy, has any of your work focused on students during this time as well and their work, which is really their school, their program, and how remote work has affected that? 
No, I haven't. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's such an important topic, and I, I hope that there's someone out there that has been tracking that. Yeah. You know, but I, I do have concerns that some, there's some of the same issues are relevant. Yes, that, I think so. Right? You're, mm-hmm. you're, they might also have part-time jobs and that, that and trying to deal with school, sometimes even full-time jobs, right? So there's, there's juggling there that's occurring and you know, how yeah. well uh, students are able to navigate this is really important to try and understand. Yeah, and I know a lot of my students have talked about the isolation that you mentioned. They really feel, yeah. and, we'll, and we'll let Michaela comment on this. She's sitting across from me, you can't see her, but she's shaking her head, yes. <laughs> so, you know, that isolated uh, uh, feeling of not being even around the instructor or around the other students, around their peers. So so what do you think, Michaela? I I think that's definitely been a major issue, mm-hmm. at least for me personally. Um, I've always liked to be very interactive with mm-hmm. my professors, right. or at least interactive with the class. And then being online, everyone is using Microsoft Teams for the most part here at USF. Mm-hmm. And you kind of log in, you see the professor, but then everyone else has their little uh, Teams figure, and that's yeah. about it. And then you see their name, and that's the extent of your socialization right. for the day. Um, and especially if some individuals still didn't feel comfortable going out as myself, my mother is a healthcare worker and also an at-risk individual. So Uh I also don't, didn't feel as though I wanted to go out and then not be able to see her later on. I didn't want to put her at risk. So I further isolated myself. Right. And especially if you graduated during COVID as to where you missed it. I did. Mm -hmm. I graduated during COVID for undergrad. So everyone Mm -hmm. kind of dissipated and we all left and did our own things and so that was a further isolating incident and right. so um, right. it's definitely been tough amongst all of us and I think more students are excited to be back in the class but it is going to be a major adjustment because I think we miss the socialization but mm-hmm. we've been so kind of disconnected from it yes the past almost two years it it gives a little bit more social anxiety I feel at least on my uh-huh. part Uh, It's an adjustment, but we miss it. (laughs) Right. And how to interact. And and I'm sure as you go out into the work world, you're going to bring those feelings with you, right? And and as as Dr. Allen was saying, you might advocate more for this hybrid position because, you know, you're used to it. But you also like being there a little bit. Yeah. 100%. (laughs) I got it. Well, this is so fantastic. We could talk forever. And I wish we had time to talk about workplace violence because, you know, that's such a critical issue now. Uh, but maybe on another podcast. <laughs> so, uh, Michaela, do you have any more questions for Dr. Allen? No, thank you so much, Dr. Allen, for coming out today. Okay. And Tammy, if you'd, oh, like, my pleasure. If you'd like to add anything? Um, no, I just appreciate, again, the opportunity and, and this podcast and what you do in the activist lab. Oh, well, thank you so much. Well, you've been an excellent guest. So thank you so much. On behalf of the USF College of Public Health Activist Lab, our wonderful guest, Dr. Tammy Allen, and our student co-host, Michaela, we thank you for joining us. And hey, keep listening. We have more podcasts coming soon. As always, we would love to hear your feedback. Let us know how we did by emailing us at cophactivistlab at usf.edu. So until next time, this is Dr. Karen Liller. Remember, find your voice. Let's change it up for the better. Keep listening and join Advocation Change It Up. Tell your friends and family we're on all media, Apple, Spotify, and more. So thank you again. And hey, as it gets safer to be out and about, come see us in the Activist Lab.